It's Fire Away Friday. Fire Away Friday. On Exploring the Word, this is your chance to ask us your Bible question at 888-589-8840. That's 888-589-8840. You can also email your question at word at AFR.net or visit Facebook.com slash Exploring the Word. Exploring the Word. It's Fire Away Friday on American Family Radio. Zechariah, one of those minor prophets, chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. The Lord has been very angry with your fathers. Therefore, say to them, thus says the Lord of hosts. Now listen, return to me, says the Lord of hosts. I'll return to you, says the Lord of hosts. We want to return to the Lord, and that's part of what AFR's mission is, to equip you, to inform you, so that we can return to the Lord and aid the church in carrying out the Great Commission at home and also in other countries. This is Bert Harper along with Dr. Alex McFarland, and it is Fire Away Friday. Let me give that phone number so you can start calling in right now. 888-589-8840. 888-589-8840. We would love to hear from you on Fire Away Friday. And uh, so, Alex, it's always good to have Fire Away Friday. We get to talk to more folks that way, don't we? Well, absolutely, and we're so grateful for each and every person that's listening. And, you know, you opened with that uh, reference to Zechariah. One of the titles that the Bible uses in several places about God is, quote, the judge of all the earth. And, look, God is loving, God is merciful. Bert, sometimes I think people today don't often think of God as the judge, but yes, every person will be called upon to give an account, and there is... um, there's the reality that God is the judge of all people, isn't he? He is, and his desire is for us to walk with him. His desire is for everyone to be saved. That's his desire. So we here on AFR, especially Exploring the Word, we concentrate on that. We really do. We make we do our best, every program, to understand that you can trust Jesus Christ as Savior and turn to him, and we're saying that today. So Amen. we hope that is well, a blessing. And Alex, I know you were in Colorado. Yeah. You back in North Carolina today? Back in North Carolina. Praise the Lord! I successfully flew on airplanes. And Bert, <laughs> believe it or not, thank you, Lord, they were on time. Wow, that's and the first uh, time this year, right? <laughs> uh, I think it is. Almost, yeah, I actually. think it is because every time that you've flown this year in 2022. Uh, we'd say, oh, is Alex going to be there a delay? So praise the Lord, you're there and ready to go. And uh, we, we do have calls stacking up, and they're going to uh, be available on the call board here just momentarily, but that number is 888-589-8840 if you would like to call into today's edition of Exploring the Word. And we're going to begin in Alabama. We're going to talk to Michael in Alabama you are the first caller on today's edition of Exploring the Word, Michael. Oh, thanks, Lowe's. Let me uh, turn the radio down. I'll be right back. Okay, okay. Yes, and um, hey, while Michael is coming back, hey, check out today's issues, the Yesterday, the Thursday show. It's probably archived at AFR.net. I had the privilege of being on with Tim Wildman, and we had um, a rabbi from Jerusalem that was on that we interviewed, and we were talking about anti-Semitism. And so I thought yesterday's um, today's issues from Thursday the 10th was a good program. And, and as you 
go on AFR.net and you there's Sandy Rios and just airing the Addisons and exploring the world. A lot of great content. But check out today's issues as well. Okay, Michael, you ready for us, my friend? Oh, I, can you hear me? Yes. Can you hear me? Hello? Yes. Oh, good. Uh, you all are uh, exploring Proverbs, this m- investigating Proverbs this month. Right. And uh, I'm concerned not so much about uh, Proverbs 28, the first verse, but about the way some churches, I believe, with what I call abusive theology, and he uses uh, this verse plus a few others in uh, the New Testament to claim that uh, mentally ill people who are born-again saved Christians, if uh, they still have their mental illness when they accept Christ, surrender, their, give their lives to him, or like me, if they uh, had it after they became Christians, uh, and I didn't get them from Christ Jesus, but from being born with uh, temporal lobe epilepsy and a rare birth autism, I also got it from churchianity, like that church. Uh, you will lose your salvation and burn in Hades. Okay. Uh, we're, we're getting that, Michael. The reason we're doing this is because it's Friday, Friday, and we want as many people as we can. Alex, false doctrine has been around a long time. Uh, I mean, read Peter's, both books, First and Second Peter. Uh, there's just so many. Uh, you know, uh, Alex, that they take scriptures and twist them. And what do we say? You've got to look at the context. Uh, uh, you know, you can take one scripture and prove your point a lot of times. And, Michael, that's, yeah. that's, that's all they're doing. So, uh, yes, you should be concerned about them because that those the way they do that, Alex, not right. Well, you know, Proverbs 28.1 that Michael referenced says, The wicked flee when no man pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. Now, one thing that he might have been alluding to is that even born-again Christians sometimes are fearful. And, you know, some people by circumstances and, and some people by their makeup and their the way they're constituted, there are people that are fearful and, and worry or prone to worry. And, Bert, let me just say that I don't think Proverbs 28.1 should ever be used as a billy club to reprimand people that experience the emotion of fear. Now, the Bible says in Psalm 56, when I'm afraid, I put my trust in you, Lord. And Philippians 4, 6 says, do not be anxious about anything. And Bert, I, I realize that as Christians, we know the Lord and we've been you know, washed clean of our sins, but even some of the most godly people experience fear um, and I don't think we should stay there and live there, but I, I would never use Scripture like the righteous are as bold as a lion. That doesn't mean a born-again Christian sometimes isn't afraid. Even Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane um, said his soul was exceedingly troubled, and he sweated drops of blood. So, Bert, even saved godly people, we go through the whole realm of emotions, don't we? We do, and, and again... Uh, we live in a fallen world. Guess what happens when a tornado goes through, Alex? It hits a lot of godly people's homes, churches, you know? And uh, we live yeah. in a fallen world, and those things uh, happen. I mean, when you look at the rich man in Lazarus, 
and I hear health and wealth for everyone, uh, I'm not sure Lazarus would <laughs> necessarily agree with that. Really? Uh, yeah, because um, w- things are tough. The book of Proverbs that we've been going through shows you that children raised right can choose to go the wrong way. Uh, but it also gives hope for the son or the daughter that was not right, raised right to choose right. And uh, yeah. so praise the Lord for God's mercy. Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to go to my home state of North Carolina and speak with Sheila. Sheila, thanks for holding. Welcome. Hi, thank you so much. I love you guys and all the programs, but I'll make it quick. Um, I just had God a question. Um, I is, We're 30 years into marriage. Um, my husband left my home five years ago. And this past January, and he recently uh, said to me that he does not uh, feel the same, and I feel like that was my final cue to move on, yet uh, he won't file for divorce. He's waiting for me to do it. Um, he's currently in a relationship, which has happened throughout my marriage, 30 years, and I was just wondering if it is okay for me to finally cut you know, these ties, it's been tormenting. And um, I, I love God and I trust God and I've, you know, prayed about this thing, but he, he, he hasn't changed anything. And I just, at this point, it's like, it, it's, it's just tormenting. And isn't it okay for me to move on? Sheila, thank you for calling. Mm-hmm. We hear the pain mm-hmm. in, in, in your voice. And I got a feeling, Alex, we're going to be speaking to several people, not just Sheila, when we give uh, response to Sheila's situation. You know, there's so many out there. Yes. Well, Sheila, God bless you, and may the comfort of the Lord be very strongly with you. Uh, When I worked for James Dobson, and my goodness, if ever there was a champion for marriage and family, fidelity, and absolutely just copiously trying to follow what the Word of God says. It's Dr. Dobson. And he used to talk about the three A's, adultery, abuse, and abandonment. And Bert, and listen, you, you, you pray things through, but the Bible talks about if an unbelieving spouse departs, uh, you're not bound. And I, I, I would never encourage somebody to look for an out or, you know, foster that abandonment so they would say, okay, I'm free. No, but it sounds to me like you have, in due diligence, tried to save the marriage, and he's abandoned you. I, I, I happen to know in the state of North Carolina, if you don't cohabitate under the same roof for a period of a year, um, in the eyes of the state, the divorce is, has been initiated, and all that's left is to sign some paperwork. And I'm not saying anybody should seek that or whatever, but if if you've not lived under the same roof for a period of a year, um, North Carolina already considers that the initial stage of divorce. Um, but Bert, what what do you say? It sounds to me like this might have been what the Bible was talking about in the case of abandonment. Well, I would, and also adultery. Uh, you know, as Sheila was oh, saying, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, it really is. You're not looking for a way. And it, what I what I look at the Bible is give God time, even after adultery, even after abandonment. 
God give you grace. Pray God to give you grace and hope to wait to see what God does. But with your husband already living with that person and going that way, and it, uh, I, I believe that that does qualify, Alex. Again, no one should tell you, Sheila, yeah, it's time. That is yours. It's kind of like grief. You, Sheila, you, uh, part of this time is going through the grief of the loss of a marriage, and that is difficult and hard. And and so sounds like you have done that, and you're still hurting from that. Uh, I, Alex, if you know we're not there to do a one-on-one situation. I, before I give any final advice, I always would love to do that. But it sounds like that she's in that area of of ready to do that. And uh, yeah, Sheila, if you've got a pastor that you trust. Uh, it might be good to talk to them or a, a godly Christian counselor, and uh, mm-hmm. and it that way you get support in it. And according to the book of Proverbs, uh, you know, Alex says many counselors, so it doesn't hurt to get even more than Alex and me on this one, Sheila. Go ahead, Alex. Well, and let me say this, and we'll we'll try to get to another. Well, I don't know if we can get to another call before the yeah, break. We, yeah. uh, folks, I see a lot of people waiting. We We will do our very best to get to you, so please hang on. And if you've got a Bible question, folks, it's 888-589-8840. But Sheila, um, he initiated this, not you. You didn't leave. He had that outside relationship. Um, Seek Jesus, grow in the Lord, but don't blame yourself. Live in the victory that's in Christ Jesus. Serve him. We'll be back with more of your question. we got a line or two open, 888-589-8840. This is Pause to Pray, a chance each day to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today, we pray for Anita Bales, Director of the Defense Contract Audit Agency. Her office performs all contract audits for the United States Department of Defense. Leviticus 19.35 reminds us of the importance of accurate accounting. You shall do no wrong in judgment, in measures of length or weight or quantity. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask you to guide Anita Bales in her audit work at the United States Department of Defense. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is the service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team. Get your 2022 prayer guide and make this the year of prayer. Available now at pausetopray.org. If you feel like you don't have what it takes to overcome the pain in your life and make it to the finish line, Dr. Tony Evans says you're right, but that's not the point. He has a great illustration to share with us today as we spend two minutes with Tony. In the uh, 1992 Olympics, the British team had a runner named Eric Redmond. They were moving. But coming around the track, Redman tore his Achilles tendon, and he fell to the track in excruciating pain. Already weary from running, and now he was defeated. But then, an older gentleman came down on the track. He told the guard, this is my son. He grabbed Derek Redman, put his arm over his shoulder, and carried him across the finish line. You see, there was somebody high who loved him, who saw down low he was broken and weary. 
who left where he was up there, came down here, and still helped him cross the finish line. Sometimes life will knock you down. Sometimes you'll tear with a broken heart. Sometimes you'll be in broken circumstances. But I know somebody, even though he lives up there, he's willing to come down here and take the broken and the beaten and the abused and give you a divine reset so that he can still take you, your family, take us, the church, across the finish line. If you've never experienced what it's like to truly become a child of God, visit TonyEvans.org today and click on the link that says Jesus. You'll find lots of helpful information and free follow-up resources. Then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. This is Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word, Bertie and Alex. And just let me share with you, last caller was Sheila from North Carolina. If you're like me, write names down and uh, write Sheila down and uh, put prayer by her and pray for her that she'll have the wisdom of God. And uh, we're just asking the Lord to give her that. Alex, where do we go to next? Oh, we're going to the beautiful state of Arkansas, and we will speak with Lynn. Lynn, welcome to Exploring the Word. Thank you. Yeah, actually, this is for you, Alex, because it was one of your um, talks or whatever that I heard a long time ago, and it was something like societal transformation, and I was wondering if I could find that again. Well, um, I think I know the message that you you might have been talking about. Let me ask you this. Do you recall, could you guess, like, how, how long ago was it that you heard me preach on this? It might have been 2020. <laughs> 2020. Okay. Um, in in what was it pre-COVID or during COVID? I think it was May. May. So, okay. COVID would have been beginning to be in process. You know, um, yeah. I talk about this that in the Western world for the last two thousand years. You know, there was uh, the resurrection and Pentecost, and the church began to grow. And then by 323, Christianity had really taken over the Roman Empire. And I've, I've said this, folks, throughout the last two millennia, the greatest uh, force for improving society has been the church. I mean, you, you look at the care of widows and orphans, literacy, medicine, hygiene, education, uh, bringing up the human condition, societal transformation has always been in the hands of the church. Now, now think about this, Bert. We hear so much about progressivism and social programs and government. If you read Western culture, and I, I'm, I'm a student of history, um, I know the government builds roads. Roads are good. The government has armies and navies and marines and protects us. But really, the betterment of the human condition has always come not through government, but through God and God's people. And so, Lynn, I don't know exactly, but if, if I remember, 
in 2020, you know, it was before the election, and one of the things that I was touring the country speaking about was that the vision of our founders was not statism, a, a nanny state, the government is your savior. No, far from it. Um, the, the founders said that the whole American experiment was that everybody could govern themselves under the Ten Commandments and work and prosper. And look, uh, for 240 years, we've had the greatest nation in world history. And so a lot of what I was preaching about, Bert, was the call that we, we give our lives to Christ. We grow in the Lord. We build families, godly families. But we understand that the betterment of, of the human condition it's always come about through God's people, not through government. It is. Look, if you don't believe that, look at those that took care of those that were orphans. Look at who took care of those that were hurting in weak hospitals. Uh, it's just there. Education. I, I know the Ivy League schools, by and large, have just gone way, way down in a secular progressive thought. But guess what they were? They were started in order to train people pastors to train missionaries that they could share the good news of Jesus Christ. And uh, it has. Educationally, it's, it, we were the forerunners. The church was. Yes, we were. For as hospitals and caring, it was the church, forerunners. And uh, you're exactly right, Alex. Lynn, thank you for that call. Where to next, uh, Alex? Well, we're going to go to Louisiana. Uh, Louisiana and Karen, thanks for holding. We're honored to hear from you. What you got? Oh, happy Friday to y'all. Um, my question is superfluous, I guess. Um, I was just wondering, I've never read anywhere in the Bible where Jesus eats red meat. It's always fish. So, I mean, I'm supposing when he was growing up that his family ate lamb and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But I don't, I've never seen it written. I hey, don't think man. it's in there. I've never found it either, Karen. Alex, have you? Yeah, I can prove okay, that Jesus good. ate red meat. Well. Uh, and and thank you. But you know what? I've got to say, Karen, the great, great question. I don't know that we've ever had this question, but um, I've always loved um, uh, Luke 24 because Luke refers to a time when they ate breakfast and um, they had fish and broiled fish. And I'm sure that with Jesus cooking broiled fish, you know it had to be great. But um, here's the thing that I think about is that um, Jesus was part of an observant Jewish family, and they observed the Feast of the Passover. Now, in Exodus 12, verse 8, it says that uh, the lamb sacrificed at Passover time was roasted as and eaten as part of the requirements of the law. And Luke 2 talks about Jesus and his family uh, being part of the feast every year. And so Jesus fulfilled the law at every point. No doubt in Passover and the feast of Passover, Jesus would have at least eaten lamb, which would qualify as red meat. Okay, so, um, good. That's right. Um, I would have to believe, and perhaps this begats the question about being a vegetarian, and um, obviously we're supposed to be a good steward of our body. Uh, we are. But, Bert, do you remember when Peter had the big scroll, the vision, and um, the Lord told Peter, you know, everything is is to be, everything is clean as long as it's received 
with Thanksgiving and eating in moderation. So, uh, hey, I don't have a steak every week, but at least two or three, four times a year, I have a good old steak. Don't you, Bert? Well, I used to, and something came along like gout and also some things. I, uh, But I do eat red meat, and so lamb would qualify as a red meat then. Yeah. Uh, I just make sure. Uh, because it talks about pork chops being the other white meat. You know what I mean? Oh, and right. so I just was making sure. I, yes, good answer. Good question, good answer. Wow, and I think that was a, a, an original, unique question. But South Carolina, Paul. Paul, thanks for holding. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Hey, God bless you guys. That's interesting you're talking about food. I just got a couple of the best pork chops on the road. I'm an old road truck driver. Amen. Oh, amen. Hey, hey, hey. We're, we are bragging on truck drivers here on Exploring the Word. We, yes. Some yeah. of our best listeners are truck I'll drivers. Tell you what, guys? I, I tell people I got one of the best jobs in the world, and I believe that's why God put me in a truck over 20 years ago to list the Bible on CD, Praise and Worship, and explore, and, and explore the Word. How about that? Amen. Well, thank hey, you. So thank anyway, you so much. guys, anyway, if you ever stop, if you're ever traveling— in a car, stop at a TA or Petro at the Diesel Fuel Island store. Some of them, most of them have these. They have a little buffet thing, pork chops and stuff. Stop and get them. You'll see what I'm talking about. But <laughs> Thank anyway, you, Paul. Guys, yeah. I'm, yeah. Hey, I'm, God bless you guys. And for trying to get the truth out. And because uh, we need more of you. And uh, we need more and more. I realize there's just a remnant in these last days, but we're going to see more and more saved and and born again. But anyway, I you know we know that the devil did not come but to kill, steal, and destroy. But I I actually heard you know not an audible voice, which you know I've I've heard those before, but you know in my heart that. And I knew this, but he, the Lord said that the devil's trying to kill our kids through these masks, these shots. He don't care how he kills us, right? As long as he gets us before we receive the power of the Holy Spirit, and then we're a threat to him. Then we get a clue. So anyway, I just wanted to share that with you guys. And uh, as far as the marriage thing goes, you know, and, and that lady, like you said, whenever you guys say, when I'm listening to you, hey, pray for this when they're on our list. There's only two places that I can, unless you guys can tell me different, or if there's another place. Uh, Jesus said, and I always like it when he talks, he's the son of God. But, you know, Paul and whoever, they, they'll, they'll uh, you know, repeat what he said. But he said the only way you can divorce is adultery, which I believe the reason he said that is because it breaks the covenant. So it's up to you. But like you said, he, he hates divorce, too. He wants to see you reconcile if you can, but sometimes you can't. And then Paul talked about if the person leaves you, what are you going to do? They, yeah. They're usually committed. Well, there, a lot of times, Paul, they're all connected together. I, after 40 years of pastoring, uh, most of the time there is a connection there. And Paul speaking, uh, he was of the Holy Spirit, has authority that Jesus had as well. And uh, so I, I just realize that and know that. Let me share these about the devil and kids. All through the Old Testament, one of the worst things that ever happened was Athaliah, who was the mother of a king, and he died. And in place of her going in there and protecting her grandchildren, 
she goes in and kills all but one. And praise the Lord for a nurse that got one out and took him to the temple. Uh, Herod killing the two-year-olds and under in Bethlehem. Alex, abortion. I would say, Paul, the devil has been after kids since the garden. I believe that with all my life. Let me encourage people to read First Peter five and just kind of meditate on this, pray about this. First Peter five eight says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour, whom resist, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren who are in the world. And so I think we need to teach young people. You know, obviously, let's make sure that the the young people in our life hear the gospel and respond to Christ. But we need to tell people that, look, Satan is a predator. And he does, as 1 Peter 5, 8 says, he stalks about like, like this malicious predator seeking whom he may devour or, or really consume. So we resist him. Verse 9, 1 Peter 5, 9, how do we resist Satan? Well, steadfast in the faith means constant. The word there literally means constant. It's like First uh, John two twenty eight, abiding in Jesus, knowing that hey, this is a common affliction. Bert to be uh, buffeted and tempted, and Satan tries to discourage us and lure us away. Um, don't don't feel like you've somehow been singled out. The spiritual battle. And I'll just say it, the spiritual warfare is common to all true Christians, isn't it, Bert? It is, and he is our enemy. You put on the armor of God, the whole armor of God. You walk in the Spirit so you don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. We war against our flesh. We war against the ways of the world, and we war against Satan. We've, we're, it's a three-pronged attack, but the armor of God is ready for those attacks. So you do put on the armor of God. And with those kids, uh, it's like you, we've already referred to Dr. Dobson again and again. Uh, he said, long as you're a parent, you'll pray for your kids, no matter how old they are. And I agree with that. And so we just pray for our children and our children's children. And so Amen. thank you for that, that call, well, Paul. Bert, every chance I get, I go to Texas. And today we're going to go to Texas and talk to Joe. Now, Joe, do I have it correct? Uh, you're an you're an over the road truck driver, and right now you you happen to be in Texas, right, Joe? Well, actually, I'm here in Minnesota. If you can hear me, can you hear me? Yes, we got. Oh, so you're in Minnesota? Okay. Yeah. Well, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, my question is about a. Um, my son asked me a question about the about the the man healed at the pool of Bethesda, uh, which is chapter five, five uh, verse four. Why, why does, and I, and that was my question, and I kind of just want to see what's going on. I well, let me just tell you, I trust the Bible enough that the only thing that I know that a lot of discussion about what's in the Bible is the last of part of Mark. I right, I, but I think it should be there. I think if you take it in the context of missions, it makes sense. Uh, and sometimes we don't read the Bible in the context of missions. And uh, when you read that, you'll see it all fulfilled. Alex, uh, that angel coming down, stirring the waters, have, 
do you think sometimes we may put God in a box and say, oh, that yeah. doesn't look good. That doesn't sound good. God God breaks out of our boxes, doesn't he? You know? He, he really does. Uh, Joe, let, let me say this. Um, first of all, all of John 5, including verse 7, and I'm going to get to that, it absolutely does belong in the Bible. Um, critics for about the last 200 years have attacked the Gospel of John. I'll tell you why. There's two reasons the Gospel of John is so often rejected by liberals and critics. For one thing, the Gospel of John so powerfully, consistently, overwhelmingly portrays Christ as the Son of God, the one and only Savior. It's been said that the Gospel of John is very Christocentric. But the other thing is, the Gospel of John has a lot of miracles. And now, Matthew, Mark, Luke... They're all inspired. Critics generally accept more readily uh, Mark or Luke or Matthew. But John sets forth the deity of Christ and the miraculous. Now, here's the thing. At the, the miracle there in uh, John 5 at the Pool of Bethesda, see, history tells us there was kind of a legend that if an angel stirred the waters up, that the first one in would automatically get healed. And this man had an affirmity for 38 years and says, would, Jesus said, would you like to be made whole? And the impotent man says, well, I'd like to, but somebody always gets in the water before me. What this was about was showing the miraculous power of Jesus. They didn't need a legend, but they needed the Lord, and Christ healed him. We'll be back with more of your questions here on Exploring the Word. We got line open, that number, 888-589-8840. When you hear this, this is American Family News. You know what follows is the truth. Your news from a Christian perspective. Hundreds of teachers are going to have to walk into that school building and they are forced to swallow political ideology that in many cases violates their very faith and conscience. If you miss it at the top of the hour, American Family News podcasts are available at AFN.net and sign up for our daily news brief at AFN.net. Have your dreams been shattered? Here's Pastor Jeff Shreve with From His Heart Ministries. Somebody told me early in my ministry, he said, you know, if you preach to broken hearts, you'll always have an audience. And I don't know what your need is today, but God does his best work in the midst of broken, shattered dreams. Find real hope in Christ. Join Pastor Jeff Shreve on From His Heart, weeknights at 6 Central, here on American Family Radio. Professing to be wise, they became fools. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. We are literally living in a cultural, the emperor is wearing no clothes moment. Senator Tom Cotton has filed a bill to stop the Biden administration's plan to house federal prisoners according to their perceived gender identity rather than by their biological sex. Senator Cotton said President Biden's plan to house male and female prisoners together will put women in danger. Documented cases prove that placing men, including ones who identify as female, in women's prisons puts female inmates at increased risk of sexual assault. Um, you think? This is yet another demonstration of regressive willingness to literally destroy women in the name of trans ideology. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association.
this is Dr. Stephen Rummage with today's Moving Forward Minute. In Matthew 22, 37 through 40, Jesus reminded us of the two greatest commandments. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And then he said, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Have you ever looked down into your gas tank to see if you've got enough fuel? Well, no, you can't see down into the tank, but you can look at the fuel gauge. It keeps you informed about your fuel level. God has given you a gauge of your love for him, and that's your love for others. It's impossible to really love God if you don't love those made in his image. Real love for God will outflow in love for your neighbor, especially those who are hard to love. For more resources, visit movingforwardradio.org. Join me every Sunday morning at 8.30 Central for Moving Forward right here on AFR. You're listening to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word, Bertie and Alex. Uh, This Sunday, I'll be at First Baptist Church, Baldwin, Mississippi, preaching. I'm interim pastor there. Starts at 930, and I'd love for you to be there and Uh, We're going to look at the Word of God and talking about standing in evil, difficult days. Alex, uh, have you got plans in the next week or two? Well, you know, it's a little bit local, but if you happen to be in North Carolina, uh, February 20 and 27th, I'm I'm going to be at First Baptist Church of Ashboro, North Carolina. Ashboro is a very wonderful town just outside of Greensboro. Great, great church. My friend Mark Hall, uh, he is one of the longest-serving youth pastors in the nation and happens to have, in my opinion, one of the greatest youth ministries in the nation. But I'll be at First Baptist Ashboro and a lot of other places coming up in, in the next few weeks. So my website has a calendar on it, alexmcfarland.com, alexmcfarland.com. Well, Bert, what if we... What if we, this time, we really will go to Texas? And <laughs> that we'll sounds like to... a winner. Hey, Adam, welcome. Adam in Texas. Yeah. Yes, sir. Um, I have a question about, in the writings of Paul, I can't remember if it was Galatians or Ephesians, but he was talking to the church there that um, he's saying that they had received grace, but then they started going back to try to keep the law. And then he said, you have fallen from grace. Exactly what does that mean? And is that a danger zone for a Christian? Okay, another great question today, Adam. Thank you. Uh, They were living by grace. And Alex, they started kind of living a different way. It wasn't talking about losing their salvation. It's talking about how they're living their lives, wasn't it? Yeah, you know, when Paul wrote, you know, Oh Foolish Galatians, he was talking about how they'd walked away from grace. You know, we... It, it has been said that the default position of the human soul is some form of works righteousness. You know, Bert, it just seems almost universal that we've got this idea that the good can outweigh the bad, and if I do some meritorious effort, I can tip the scales back in, you know, the good column or something like that. And so we have works and law And yet, it doesn't bring peace to our soul. So here's Jesus with grace, whosoever will may come. And so Paul, he was, you know, I I think it means fallen from grace. Why would you walk away from 
grace and go back to the enslavement of law. Because in which, the book of Galatians, it is filled with that. You see them doing that, uh, working their way in, Judaizers working their way in, saying no. And they were even accusing Paul of, you know, rejecting everything uh, that was concerning the law. And he said, no, uh, that was like our schoolmaster. It prepared us and got us ready for this grace. And they were going back to it. Why would you go back? Adam, I, I love that question. Thank you, brother. You check out Galatians 3, everybody, and I, I think it'll be enlightening for you. But in Kentucky, we have Gary. Gary, welcome to Exploring the Word. Hey, yes, thank you very much. I appreciate you taking my call. I have a question for both of you. And if you don't mind after you answer, if it's okay, I'd like to uh, expand on what I'm going to ask you. Is that okay? Well, let's see. Go ahead with your question. Let's see. Okay, let's talk about Bert, you and uh, Alex and me. Uh, we were we were made in the image of... I don't know what happened. We lost you. Uh-oh. Gary, are you there? Yeah, yeah. Im- image of God like Genesis one twenty six and yeah. Go ahead, real quick. Go ahead. Something's coming in and out, but go ahead. Okay, all right. Uh, you and I, we were all made. You, us three, were made in the image of who? Well, Adam was made in the image of God, and then from then on, that part is true with us. But we're also made in the image of Adam. You catch? Uh, so there is a. I heard a whole sermon by Dr. Adrian Rogers concerning that. And it was powerful, Alex and Gary, about Adam being made in the image of God. But we have that capacity to be able to know God. In that sense, we were. But far as our physical attributes, we were raised in, in the image of Adam. DNA did that. Go ahead, Alex. Well, well, you're right about that. You know, Imago Deo, much has been written about that. And I really do think this is a topic we need to teach about more often. Um, And it's been said that, look, you know, we have uh, attributes, but God is that attribute. In other words, we can show love, but God is love. We might have some knowledge and maybe even some wisdom, but God knows everything. He's omniscient. Uh, You and I can show mercy, but God is love and mercy. So that's why murder is so heinously wrong, because when a human being murders another human being, it really is a defacement of an attack on God. When we harm the image bearer, it's really a sin against the one whose image we bear. Gary, is that what you understand? Real quick, we got to go on to more okay, callers. Yeah, yeah I got to go real quick. Okay, here's the, here's the okay. This is what the Lord taught me. Okay, it is, and I could sit here for a long time with this. Okay. If, here's what he taught me, and it's really amazing what he showed me, okay? And you can pray about it, read about it. Okay, if you look at the verses are Ephesians 4.24 and Colossians 3.10. I'll say that for the record. You can go back and, and check this out. Okay, the image of God means by St. Paul. Paul says the image meant that we were made in knowledge and in, uh, in, holy, in true holiness, and righteousness. Those are the three things that it says. And so that's what the image was made. And yes, we are made after Adam or after our parents. The sinful nature went from there. So we lost the image, and we can actually get back, and that's what Paul's directing us to. We can get back to the image of God through Christ. Amen. He is the second. 
Gary, I, I, we got so Thank many you. callers. We are. That is so true. He, it, we, uh, Adam, uh, is so true. Jesus was a second Adam, and he restored to us what we lost in the first Adam. That's what Paul says. Gary, thank Wonderful. you for that thoughtful question and comment. Hoyt in Georgia. Uh, do I have your name correct, my friend, Hoyt? Yes. Well, welcome. I was wondering, uh, in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, I know the old King James Version, when he's talking about meditating on all them things he names, you know, yeah. Well, the old King James Version, the second, the second one says, whatever's honest, but, it, but in the King James, New King James Version, the second one says, whatever's noble. So I was wondering, what is noble? Good, good Alex, question. Alex, you, you got your King James? I got the King James. Read, here, it, read it again for us. 4 eight. And we've talked about this many times. Hoyt, thank you, because this is one of my favorite verses. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. You know, Bert, um, different translations in the quest to make it understandable Sometimes they might use words, uh, different words. I'm going to, if I may, and I'll be very brief, but I want to pull this up in the Greek. Um, So the words in the Greek, it uses the word true, aletheia, which I love that word, true, um, venerable, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, Uh, If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. The one word that might be a little bit of a challenge is the word in in the Greek. It's the word venerable, which really means honorable. So true, and the King James renders it honest. And what did he say the New King James rendered it? It renders it noble. What what you do when you hear all those definitions... you know, the King James Version took one specific, and noble is trying to describe all of those with that Greek word, Alex, when you use that. You know, exactly. That's what hey, it doesn't, it's not a mistranslation at all. It's taken that word that has those different parts in meaning and how it comes across in the English language, Alex. And it, there's several times that, you know, those things happen. And this one seems to encapsulate the most of it in the word noble. That's what they're trying to do. And noble is a good word, I'll tell you. Hoyt, God bless you, and thank you for uh, reflecting so thoroughly and deeply on the Word of God, especially that beautiful Philippians 4, 8 scripture. Well, North Carolina is home turf for me, and that's where we find Gary. Am I right, Gary? Are you are you with us? Yes, sir, Bert and Alex. How y'all doing? Good, good. great, man. Good to hear from you. I usually listen to you on the way home from work every day. Not every day, but just about every day. My question is, remember uh, David uh, chopped off the head of Goliath, okay? And then it says about seven years later, he took it to Jerusalem, okay? And then I guess he used it as a kind of a prize to remind people that he had slain the giant and crushed evil. Well... (laughs) I've noticed in, in when Jesus was crucified, 
they call the place the skull, and they call it Golgotha. I was wondering if there was any relationship there. Okay, it was Golgotha, and if you've been there and you see the uh, Calvary, what is it? Let me see. I forgot. Gordon's Calvary. Yeah. Yeah, General yeah. Gordon. Yeah. Uh, you see it, and you look at a certain angle. Uh, it sure does look like a skull, doesn't it, Alex? Well, it, it does. Yeah, the the place of the crucifixion. Um, although two thousand years of of weather and the elements have somewhat eroded it, there are pictures from a hundred years ago where I mean the rock shockingly does look like a skull, doesn't it? It does. Now I, I don't know if that's a reference to um, the head of Goliath. Why Golgotha was called, or how long it was called, the place of the skull? I don't know. I will have to look into that. But there was a time. I mean, if in the 1800s, when Jerusalem was really first begun to be excavated by archaeologists, they instantly noted, oh my goodness, that hill, which is the site of the crucifixion, it looks like a skull. Bert, I bet 2,000 years ago, it probably really looked like a skull, didn't it? It did. I, I remember us studying that in Blue Mountain College and Seminary, and it was talking about the place of death, you know, and it looked like a skull, but it was also, I, I have not read anything about it being connected with uh, Goliath at all. I, I have not, Alex. Uh, Nor I. Uh, but it has to do with death, and it has to do with the look of it. Uh, I know that, Gary. Thank you for that uh, intriguing question, man. Very intriguing. Ed in Alabama, welcome to the American Family Radio Network. Thanks, and good evening, gentlemen. I have a question about Nehemiah uh, 2.8 about Asaph, who was the keeper of the king's forest. Uh, I'm a forester, and I'm just wondering, I've read commentaries that, that describe him in numerous different ways, uh, quite often conflicting, and I'm wondering if you know whether or not Nehemiah's job as the keeper of the king's forest might have been so important that had he not obeyed the king, would he have been one of the folks, as we just spoke about, that might have his head displayed on a stake somewhere? <laughs> or if he have had, or if he had a menial job? Again, I'm just curious. I do a little devotional. I want to make sure when I do it, it's historically and biblically accurate. Ed, amen. Hey, keep on going through Nehemiah. It's one of my, he's one of my heroes. But he was, you had the cupbearer. That was Nehemiah's job. He Another name for that is food tester. If you want to know the truth, uh, check it out. See if the food was good. And he did have, but the keeper of the forest, Alex, in those days, the timber was a prized uh, area. You know, uh, it was uh, more arid, and you did not have larger trees. Now, the trees of Lebanon, you did. Uh, you know, you go over there today, and it's kind of arid. So the keeper of the forest Aesop would he would have had a very important position I know that um you know what I I have a book of Jewish history that is by a rabbi and I, I remember reading this a couple of years ago and it was not a Christian book per se but it was the Old Testament by a Jewish rabbi who remarked that historically timber was prized yeah <laughs> Excuse me. And forests were, I mean, the keeper of the forest was a, a very important job. And and the wording there in Nehemiah 2.8, uh, the word for forest really means a preserve 
Why? For the making of the beams for a lot of things, but for the city gates, which was a reference to the importance of of that. And you, uh, you sir, being a forester yourself, I, I'm a country boy, and uh, let me tell you, we weren't tree huggers, but we did thank the God, thank God for the beautiful trees. And so yeah. I've I've often taken note of that, the Nehemiah two eight, that Asaph was the keeper of the king's forest, and so for all these centuries, godly people appreciate the blessing of of trees and shade and timber and wood, don't we? We do. Ed, you being a forester, it brings up one of my heroes. His name was Lanny Autry. He helped Jan and me the first time we did fishbowl. Uh, Jan and I started doing fishbowl for pastors and wives years ago, even before it came to AFR. And Lanny and his wife, Deborah, they were key part of that. They had a place that they, he was a forester and he'd found this place and he built cabins there. And uh, that just brought it back. And I just wanted to, uh, that introduces, we are going to have a fishbowl retreat in October. More information's coming our way. But praise the Lord for truckers, for foresters, uh, for farmers. Alex, uh, <laughs> we have some great heroes that listen to Exploring the Word, don't we? Well, we do. I've got a very dear friend in Mississippi, um, uh, David Barge who is a forester and has a lumber company. He might even be listening right now. And, uh, you know, God provides for us. And wood, I know we don't have time to chase a rabbit, but I think we could talk about the glory of God and the wood he gives us. We need to be grateful for that wonderful natural resource. Amen. Thank you for listening to Exploring the Word here on AFR. We'll be back next week with more of Proverbs. Proverbs.